Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. We are thrilled you have joined us for this week's podcast. Today we are privileged to have a guest speaker. May God bless you as you enjoy this week's message. Morning again. Hey, you know that little thing we had earlier where the sound kind of went crazy, right? Right. Um, I got two things to say about that. One is you need to thank God that I'm not in the tech booth. Because if I were, there is absolutely no telling what would happen in a worship celebration. And the second thing I would say to you is sometimes we give people a hard time when something goes wrong. I think we ought to thank our technicians for how awesome they are every single week in and week out. Amen? Hey, welcome. I am so glad you're here. Welcome to all of our campuses. We want to welcome our Garner campus, Internet campus, Coffeehouse campus, Television, NCCIW, the Daughters of the King over there in Raleigh, and our soon and very soon coming Sanford campus. That's right. That's right. It's coming in October. It is on like Donkey Kong in Sanford, North Carolina, and we are fired up about it. Are you? Amen? We really are. Hey, I'm glad you are here. As we study the miracles of Jesus today, first of all, go ahead and open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And um, as we get into the miracle series, I'm praying really, really hard that not only will we get a, a greater understanding of the miracle working power of God, I am also praying though, maybe more importantly, that that same miracle working God would start to work miracles in your life. In other words, I'm praying that it becomes more than just stories that we read in the scripture, but that we are, we are exposed, if you will, to the miracle working power of God that when he gets a hold of a life, there is absolutely no telling what he can do. And I'm trusting that for you, and I'm wanting more of that for me. And so let's go get this. Amen, church? If you got your bulletins, I'd encourage you to take out your teaching notes. I don't know why anybody would want to listen to a message on miracles and not take notes. So I would encourage you to take notes and follow along with me today. The passage that we uh, heard was Mark 4. We'll keep diving into that text. This was a story that took place on the Sea of Galilee. Now I'm going to ask a question. How many of you have been to the Sea of Galilee? Show of hands. One. Anybody in this section? And anybody, two, two, two over here. You know, I was amazed by that. The same thing in the first service. You know, I'm really thrilled that we're taking about 30 of us in May. So in May, 30 of us, we're going to be on a boat and we're going to cross this body of water that I want to show you. It's often referred to as the Sea of Galilee. But listen, guys, it's really more like a lake. It's really more like a lake. Here's a God's eye view of the Sea of Galilee, okay? It's, it's a small body of water. It's about 620 feet below sea level, so it's a very low-lying body of water. On this side here would be the villages that Jesus ministered and, and walked to and fro. Tiberius, Capernaum is up in here. Up here, oh, this is one of the most beautiful, picturesque places in all the world. This is where Jesus delivered the Sermon on the Mount. There are some old temples of antiquity right in here, but this is the Sea of Galilee, Better referred to as a lake, actually. Let me show you a a calm, serene scene of this body of water. Absolutely beautiful. But here's the interesting thing about the Sea of Galilee. 
It is a body of water whereby storms, or what they call in the biblical days, squalls, a better translation, would come over that mountain right there, and it would turn this lake into a ferocious ocean, if you will. Look at this. See what happens to it? I mean, it gets rough on the sea of Galilee. And this is the context out of which we read Mark chapter 4, where Jesus is in the boat with the disciples. And if you got your Bibles, again, open to Mark chapter 4. Look at what the Bible says in verses 36 and 37. Are you ready for the word of the Lord? Say amen. Here we go. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Now listen, church. This, to me, is the most amazing passage of Scripture in the New Testament. It, 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 really, it's one that humors me the most in the Scriptures. Jesus was in the stern. What was he doing? <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Sleeping. On a cushion, the disciples are about to get wiped out. The storm is ferocious. The waves are coming over the bow of the boat. And Jesus is cuddled up in the fetal position in the stern of the boat. Homeboy, and you might think that's sacrilegious. I don't mean that's sacrilegious. He even brought a cushion. It's like he's going to crawl up with a cushion in the stern of the boat. The disciples woke him and said, and you've got to read into the text, guys. We've got to learn to read text with, with, with some levity yet great seriousness. Look at what they say. Teacher, don't you even give a flying flip. <laughs> I threw that in there. <laughs> that we are about to drown? Don't you even care that we're about to bite the dust here, and you're up there sleeping. Now, when I was a kid, um, how many of you are boat people? How many of you like boats? Show of hands. Oh, this is a boating crowd. Awesome. How many of you can't stand boats? Yeah, yeah, a few of you. Um, well, when I was a kid, I'm a boating dude. I, I grew up on a boat, loved boats, loved the fish, grew up duck hunting in boats. I mean, I just grew up in boats. And um, we, I was born and raised in Sumter, South Carolina, which is uh, a little Sumter? Anybody Sumter? My, my neighbor, Steve Price, that now lives in the areas at this church, is a member baptized. How awesome is that? Amen. Don't ask him about me when I was a young kid. Um, <laughs> he was my neighbor, seriously, like. Um, um, <laughs> where in the heck was I? Oh, we, so we, I was born and raised in Sumter, South Carolina, and we, we, um, we were very close to the famous. I mean, it really is one of the, the most prime um, hunting and fishing bodies of water in the southeast called Santee Cooper. Amen. And, um, and so we had, a, we had a lake house at Santee Cooper. And so I grew up in the summers uh, water skiing, kneeboarding, um, hunting, fishing all over uh, Santee Cooper. And it had, big, it had big open parts of water where, you know, we'd ski and, and kneeboard and all that stuff. And then Santee Swamp, it was a swamp. Uh, how, many, how many of you have seen swamp people? I don't know why I'm saying this. I'm all over the place this morning. If you haven't seen swamp people, you need to sit down and watch you some swamp people. And, and you will think, I didn't even know human beings like this existed. Anyway, go look for it. It's, it's hilarious. Um, 
Where I'm, there's no telling where we're going today. I just want to let you know. Um, so anyway, my, my, I was 12 years old. This is one of the, the um, not a fond memory, one of the scariest memories of my young childhood life. My brother, Sean, I had, there were three boys in my family. Sean was the middle. I was the baby. Um, we were at the lake house, and we had been begging my dad to let us take the boat out on the lake by ourselves. And dad would never let us take the boat. But I was 12. Sean was like 14. We kept working it all day long. He said, no, 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 no. The next day, we got him. You know, kids, kids can just wear you down. I just weared him down. So finally, he said, yeah, take the boat. So we took the boat out into Santee Cooper, past the big water, big body of water, past the big water, and went up into Santee Swamp where we knew we could catch some bass. We were bass fishing on our way out of the deep, deep swamp. I'm talking about cypress trees, all that kind of stuff, going through little paths. The, the motor hit a stump and broke the pilot shaft. So we literally had to kind of grab the motor, hoist it back up on the boat. There's an old motor, kind of almost fell into. Bungee cord that bad boy. And there we were paddling out of the swamp, wondering how we were going to escape the wrath of my dad. Well, lo and behold, we quickly forgot about the wrath of my dad when we got out to the big water and one of those afternoon thunderstorms broke loose. And it broke loose. When I'm saying it broke loose, guys, I, the thunder and the lightning was crashing all around us. The waves were coming over the boat. There was a trussle. The waves were um, knocking us into the trussle. I was freaking out. I, had, I, I, I really thought, this was the one time when I was kidding, I really thought, this is it. I, I'm, we're not going to make it, Sean. And so we were freaking out. And finally, it seems like at just the right moment, a boat came by us, saw these two young boys in the boat about to die. And they come over there and they hook us up and they pull us into the landing. It was this most unbelievable, frightening time of my life. That is exactly what the disciples thought. They're in this boat. The waves are crashing. They are absolutely freaking out. You can rest assured they're going, this is it. We're done. Not going to get back and see the spouse. The kids are going to, all they're going to hear about is they were lost on the Sea of Galilee, and they were freaking out. And here's what some of you are here today thinking. You're thinking, well, why, why do you have to go through a storm as a Christian? I mean, these guys were with Jesus. And some of us are here, and, and you're kind of interested in the faith, and you think, mistakenly so, you think that if you come into a relationship with Christ, the storms will disappear in your life. And I came by to let you know today that often the storms do not disappear when you walk with Christ. Some of you are here today and you're facing storms. Some of you are here and maybe you're in the middle of a marital storm and the waves of the relationship are just crashing you and your spouse. You're about ready to throw in the towel. You think you're not going to make it. Some of you are here and you're in vocational storms. You hate your job. The people you work with get on your last nerve. And what I would want to say to you is there are people around you going, dude, you need to be thankful you have a job. Others of you are here. You, you've raised children and you, you did your best to raise them in the way of the Lord. But now they're off and they're kind of doing some squirrely stuff and they're, they're in the far country. 
Some of you are here and you are in storms. I want to speak specifically to you today. But listen, others of you are here and you're going, I'm not in a storm. Life is good right now. If that is you, can I just still encourage you? Listen, write down these notes. Pay close attention because here's what I can tell you. If you're not in the storm today, hello, you will one day be in the storm. You can rest assured you will one day find yourself in the midst of a storm. And you need to remember this when you are. You are in the storm, listen church, by his appointment. You are in the storm, right in the word appointment. You are in the storm by his appointment. God knew before you were born that you would be in this particular storm right now. And for those of you who are not in a storm right now, God knows what storm you're going to be in when you're going to be in it. Look at what the Bible says in Mark 4, 35, out loud, ready together, church. Here we go. Ready? Go. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to the other side of the lake. Now freeze it right there. Check it out. Jesus said what to him? Let us go to the other side of the lake. Jesus was who? Son of God. All-knowing. Jesus was the one in the, in the New Testament that came along saying, hey, I came to lay down my life. They're going to kill me. Jesus knew what was going on. Check it out, church. We don't sometimes read it, but it's right there on the pages of Holy Scripture for us. Jesus says, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. Jesus is basically saying, hey, we're going to go and we're going to encounter a storm. And this is an appointment for you. This was Jesus' idea. Ponder that for a moment. Some of you are here and, and, man, I've heard this so much in the church. Some of you are here and, and you grew up hearing this. The safest place to be is in the center of God's will. Doesn't it sound so good? Doesn't it feel so warm and fuzzy? The safest place in all the world. If, I mean, if, I, if I had a dollar for every time I heard somebody say that. The safest place in all the world is in the center of God's will. Sounds great. There's only one problem. It's not true. Sometimes the craziest place, sometimes the riskiest place, sometimes the most ridiculously insane place is all up in the center of God's will. Now, some of you are new to the faith and you're like, oh, I didn't know that. I know. <laughs> you need to know this before you get involved. <laughs> this, is, this is for real. This is the way it is. It is crazy. Possible storm sources. Let me tell you a few. Let me tell you a few. Because here's the deal. We get in storms by, by multiple ways. And there are multiple reasons why we are in storms. And sometimes we can always blame it on God's will, but that's not always the case, right? Here are the sources of storms in your life. There are probably a few more, but I want to hit three big ones. Number one, number one, my bad decisions. Come on now, sister. Come on now. I wish I had time to walk you through the ferocious storms in my life that I, were, that I was involved in because of my stupid, idiotic decisions. We, we get in the storms, and sometimes, listen, so you might be in a storm, and it might just be because you made a bad decision. You might be here, and you might be in that marriage storm that I talked about earlier, and the reason you're in that marriage storm is because you went and got unequally yoked with an unbeliever. 
Sometimes the storms are our fault. And we would be wise to own our stuff. Here's the second one, storms from the enemy. Storms from the enemy. You might be experiencing a storm right now in your life. And it's not really because you made a bad decision. It's because the devil, and some of you aren't even sure you believe in the devil. But listen, the Bible talks all about the devil, the enemy, Lucifer, the dark one. And the Bible says that the enemy has come to kill, steal, and what? Destroy. So some of you could be in the midst of a storm, and you're not there because you made a bad decision. You're there because the enemy is placing you in the midst of a storm. Maturity comes when you're able to identify which scenario am I in. The third source of storms come from the fact that, listen guys, we are just born into a broken, sin-scarred, marred world. And sometimes because this world is broken... We find ourselves in the midst of a storm. Sometimes it's not because I made a bad decision. Sometimes it's not so much because the enemy is on me. Sometimes it's just because, listen, we live in a jacked up world. We really and truly do. The Bible says this. Jesus says this in John 16, 33. In this world, you will have what, church? You will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. We have a, a couple um, that's in one of these storms right now, and, and I shot them a, uh, a message this week, and I said, hey, can I use your story? I've been praying for you. Can I share a little bit of this? And uh, would you send me, you know, just kind of give me a little more of the, the backdrop of it? And he said, sure. This is what he said. Listen to this. And I, I won't even say their names, but it's a very, very powerful story. As you know, I was assaulted back in December 15th, 2011, just a few months ago, end of last year. I was assaulted by someone living in the same location. I was taken to Rex and diagnosed with a broken nose and severe concussion. And they saw something else on the CT scan and decided I needed an MRI. I had the MRI that night and they determined that I had a brain tumor and called in a surgeon immediately. I'd only been dating my girlfriend for about a month. And a half at this point, she was my rock and stuck by me, even after I told her she didn't have to. I put all my faith in the Lord that he was going to take care of me. He sent me the best surgeon in Raleigh. I had the surgery at Rex Hospital on January 9th, just a few months ago, guys. January 9th, 2012. The tumor was removed. I had really three tough weeks. I returned to work on January 28th, 2012. I had my last doctor's visit on March 4th, 2012, and I was totally released by the doctor and told that I am totally clean from the tumor and that I was 100% recovered. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Now, now let me just pause and, and connect a few dots here. Isn't it interesting? He first found himself in the midst of a storm because he's living in a broken world and someone assaulted him. Broke his nose and gave him a concussion. But as a result, God is amazing. As a result of the first storm that took him to the hospital, the doctors were able to diagnose the brain tumor, second storm. And now God is working in the midst of it and has removed the storm from his life. Let the church say amen. Unbelievable Story. Are you in a storm? 
Are you in a storm? There is a purpose behind the storm. Mark 4, 36 and 37, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were other boats with him and a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Listen, guys, the next time you're in a storm or for those of you who are in the midst of it right now, listen in, listen, listen. You're in the midst of the storm by his appointment. Your storm doesn't surprise God. God is fully aware. In fact, God knew before you got in the storm. Check it out. God knows what's on the other side of your storm. Great peace comes by knowing that I'm in the midst of it by his appointment. Here's the second thing. Oh, I love this one. You are in the storm with his presence. First of all, you are in the storm by his appointment. Secondly, you are in the storm by or with his presence. Don't forget, Jesus was in the stern. He was sleeping. He might have been snoring. I know some of you have a hard time imagining Jesus snoring. Any snorers in the house? Snores, snores. You can own it, don't you? I just saw a husband elbow a wife. Stop that. And then I saw another one right here raise a woman's hand. <laughs> I mean, we have some snorers on our staff team. I mean, we got some serious snorers on our staff team. We've done a little traveling lately, going to some conferences and stuff, and I made a mistake of putting one staff person who was a snorer with another staff person who wasn't a snorer. Man, the guy who wasn't a snorer came out the next morning looked like sour on an onion sandwich. <laughs> Had not slept a wink, so we kind of, we shuffled things and put two snorers together. The third night, because they slept together that night, the third night they rushed to their bedroom because they wanted to get to sleep first because they, they, they didn't want to deal with that. I mean, guys, they were rocking the foundation of the, of the hotel. It was crazy. I'm not going to tell you who they are. You can guess who the snorers are on our team. I don't know if Jesus was snoring, but listen, guys, he was in the stern of the boat. He was beyond the REM rapid eye movement stage. I mean, he was asleep. Jesus, don't you even care that we're about to die. And get this. Come on, let's just think about it for a moment. Jesus never freaks out. Have you ever noticed this in the Bible? Like Jesus never goes, oh, I didn't know that was about to happen. <laughs> Jesus never goes, whoa, time out. Hey, I need a meeting with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Hold on, we got some, we got some urgent situations here. SOS, you know. Jesus never does that. It didn't surprise him. It freaked them out. But listen, listen. Those of you who are in the storm and those of you who will be in the storm, and that's everybody. That's everybody in this room. That's everybody on the other side of that camera. Listen. Never forget, never forget you are there with his presence. It is so hard to remember that. That's why those of you who aren't in a storm, you need to take advantage of this. Write it down, baby. Underline it in red. When you are in the midst of the storm, he is there with you. Four years ago, um, about this time, actually, it was, a, it was a springtime wedding. Four years ago, about this time, my wife and I uh, went to South Carolina. I was going to preside over a wedding for a New Hope couple. And um, <clears throat> they're from North Carolina, but for some reason they wanted to go to South Carolina. And I said, glory, hallelujah, because I'm a South Carolina boy. So we went to Charleston, South Carolina. And they, they, they she, she came from a family with some money. And so they were, they were getting married at like one of, this, one of these incredibly you know, fancy, smancy plantations down in what they call the low country in Charleston, South Carolina. 
And so, uh, how many of you have seen the movie Notebook? I know the ladies are going to raise their hand. Look at that. Ooh, it just makes you feel so good, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> it really is a good movie. Hey, dude, if you're dating her or you're married to her and you've never watched The Notebook with her, in the name of Jesus, you need to watch The Notebook with her. I'm just saying. I just throw that in for free. I'm just telling you. Um, so the, 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 it was at that plantation. In fact, the, the um, rehearsal dinner was right there by the house where Noah and Allie had their little thing, and she came back to be with Noah. Remember the piano scene and all that kind of stuff? That, we were right there. So we were at this plantation deal, and um, we, we were there, and at, after the wedding, the wedding it kind of went bad, actually. kind of went bad because of the storm. They were supposed to get married by the big oak tree. Big, I mean, the oak tree was like, it was huge, one of the biggest oak trees in South Carolina. It's probably about this big. They were supposed to get married by the oak tree, and all of a sudden, the wedding was at four. All of a sudden, about three, it started raining. Like some of those Forrest Gump big drops, you know. And, 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 and it, the bride was just a mess, dude. So they had to move it into this uh, house. But it was still a nice wedding, don't get me wrong. But after that, we went to the, the wedding reception. And the wedding reception was outside on this beautifully manicured lawn under these gorgeous oaks. And it was in a tent. Now, don't get the wrong idea. It was a nice tent. I mean, one of these... You've, you've been to these, right? In the wintertime, they have heaters in these tents. I mean, this, they, have, they have clear plastic on the sides of these tents. I mean, you're like in a building. The floor, oh, no, it wasn't dirt. It was a hard floor. Band, stage, uh, buffet. I mean, it was, it was fancy-smancy. And so my wife, went, my wife and I went up to the line, and we got some food. And I'm sitting here looking at food like, I, I don't even know what half this stuff is. Um, but I'm, I'm digging into it. I'm loving it. And I'm, I got my plate of food, and I'm walking from the buffet back to our seats. And um, I picked up an olive, and all of a sudden, I dropped the olive. And I had that moment. What do I do? Do I go dive for the olive? You know, I mean, is this, this fancy man? What do I do? And about that time, the olive went off my plate. Picture, I'm, I'm seeing it all kind of in slow motion again. The olive goes off my plate, hits the floor, and starts rolling across the floor. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, dude, out of nowhere, this guy in a black tux goes... <laughs> and I stopped and I went... And I thought, that's stinking cool. I never saw him. He was... He was hiding over in the shadows. I never saw the dude. And so then I went. Thought to self. I didn't say anything namely. I, I wonder if he'll do it again. <laughs> and so I, I, I went. Plop. Sure enough, Bo, he came out of nowhere. I could tell you I only did it one other time. But I cannot tell a lie. But I thought that's stinking awesome. I never knew the dude was there. Listen, listen come on. When you're in a storm, <laughs> when you're in a storm and you think you can't see him, when you think he's not there, listen, listen, all joking aside, he's there. He's there. Right in the midst 
of your jacked up, squalling storm. Our God is there. You might not always be able to see his fingerprints. You might not always be able to recognize him. But let me tell you, he is there. St. Patrick's Day was yesterday. You might, you might know Kelly. My name's Kelly, man. I got some Irish blood in me. St. Patrick's breastplate. The, the breastplate that he fought with says this. Listen, unbelievable. Christ be with me. Christ within me. Christ behind me. Christ before me. Christ beside me. Christ beneath me. In other words, Christ be all around me. In the midst of my battles, in the midst of my storms, in the midst of my good times, in the midst of my bad times, Christ be all in all. Amen. Yes, you can thank God for that. Absolutely. Psalm 23. Sometimes you only hear this at funerals. I don't know why. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk, what? Through the valley of the shadow of death. What? 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 I shall fear no evil for what? Here it is, here it is, here it is. Thou art with me. It's the gospel, beloved. It is the best news to help us through the storms. Hebrews 13, 5. God has said, never. Last time I checked, never means never. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. You and you and you and me. Oh, thanks be to God. You are in his storm. You are in the midst of the storm by his appointment. Come on, church. With his presence and for his purpose. Why? Why? Because God is going to do something, listen, that he could not do otherwise in your life. If God has you in the storm, now I'm talking about a storm that is, that is God-driven. I'm not talking about one that sometimes you get in by your own mistakes, though he can redeem that. If you're in the midst of your storm, surrender to Christ and let him lead you out. He can redeem that. But Christ will do something for his purposes in the midst of your storm if you will allow him. Again, think of the disciples. They were about to face, listen guys, they were about to face the thing that they were most scared about. The disciples were, this is why they were freaking out. This is why they were wigging out. The one thing that, that held them was their fear of death. Look at what the Bible says here in, in verse 38. Teacher, don't you even care if we drown? Now just stick with me here for a moment. Just pause and just kind of step back from the, the, the narrative of Mark chapter 4 and think of the larger biblical narrative of the New Testament. Right here in this moment on the Sea of Galilee, they're getting ready to experience the power of Jesus as he calms the storm. But come on, come on, step back a little bit, a little bit more. Soon, later on, they're about to see the character of Jesus as, the, as he is betrayed, beaten, spit upon, crown of thorn crushed upon his head, spear into his side. They're about to see the character of Jesus as he stays true, as he is falsely accused as an insurrectionist to Rome. Now, come on, even, even back up a little bit more. Soon... They're actually going to see him crucified and dead. 
like they're going to see him buried and all of first century Palestine mourn because Jesus is gone. And then, hallelujah, Easter rolls around. We're about to get to that season, church. We're about to get to Holy Week. Easter rolls around and they're about to see Jesus raised from the dead. Now they see all this and the one thing that had a stranglehold on them, their fear of death, is about to be overcome. Listen. As 10 of the 12 were willing to die, die for their faith. Now think about that. The one thing that freaked them out the most, because they had encountered all of this, they were able to overcome and basically say, I would rather die than deny my Lord. And that is what they did. In the midst of the storm, if we will look for his purposes, they are there. In the midst of the storm, if we will step back and realize we are there, listen, by his appointment. And we are there with his presence. And we are ultimately there for his purposes. When we do, God can actually take the messiness of our lives, the storms that we encounter, and God can actually use them for his good. And when you reach that point, and again, guys, this, this doesn't come overnight. Some of you are new in the faith, and this is something that might take you years to follow, figure out. Some of you are here, and you already have it figured out. Some of you are really close to figuring it out, and some light bulbs are going to go off. But once you actually reach this point in your spiritual walk and your maturity, you can actually then start to understand and actually believe that crazy verse or two over there in the book of James. I mean, it's crazy. Let me warn you before we even see it. It's crazy. Look at this. Consider it pure, what? Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops what? Perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I mean, think about it. Okay, God. Whoopee! I got another storm. Praise God. Hallelujah. Right? Right? But, but it can happen. I mean, guys, I won't get into to all my, my story. I actually won't really get into much of it at all. But some of you know, man, you could describe the first 17 years of my life, or I guess not the first five, but, but you could describe, you know, um, age 10 to 18 of my life as just one big storm, ferocious storm, where parents were fighting and fighting us, and parents were divorced, and, and my life went south in a hurry, and I almost lost it on numerous occasions, and finally came to faith in Christ. And you know what? In the early days of being a Christian, man, I used to regret my story so much. And some of you are here and you so regret your stuff. You beat yourself up over it. You shake your fist at God when you're honest with yourself. You'll admit it. You know what 23 years of walking with Christ has shown me? That though that was a difficult storm, 
I'm thankful for it. It's, it's, it's actually made and is making me the, the husband and the father that I am today. And, and, and so for the first time in my life, I'm starting to really understand this James verse, consider it joy. When you enter into and experience these trials, because through these trials, if you'll let God, it will create perseverance. And out of the perseverance, God will move and, and you, will, you will be mature, not lacking in anything. See, when you start to understand the power of Mark chapter 4 and Jesus calming the storm, you actually start to understand what James is talking about there, that regardless of how ferocious the squall is, regardless of how beaten up you feel, regardless of whether or not you, you see his presence, once you start to understand that he's there and you start to look in the midst of all of that brokenness, in the midst of all of those ashes, you start to look for God and his purposes, he actually starts to take the ashes of your life and he builds something beautiful. And you can understand what James says. Pastor Craig Rochelle <clears throat> recently said this to me. He said, in trials, we often want God to do a removing job. But God most often wants to do an improving job. You see, we come along and we're in the midst of the storm and we're like, God, just remove it. Just remove it. And I understand that and I'm right there with you. I don't jump for joy when I face storms and trials. But listen, before we say, God, remove it, we would probably do be wise to say, God, improve me, show me, improve my understanding of you, transform me, change my heart, change me in the midst of this storm so that I can get out of it what you want me to get out of it. And when that happens, beloved, we understand and we're ready to receive actually the miracle. The Bible says this in 39 and 40, Jesus got up rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still! <laughs> and they were. They were. And the miracle working God starts to unleash His power. And listen, those of you who are in the storm or those of you who will one day be in the storm, this is very important and then I'm done. Sometimes, sometimes He calms the storm. Sometimes He actually says, be quiet, be still, and the storm comes. But sometimes he doesn't. But listen, 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 listen. Sometimes he doesn't calm the storm, but sometimes he calms the child in the midst of the storm where you actually start to experience the peace that passes all understanding. And guys, I'm not here to say which miracle is greater. They're both unbelievable, i.e. God just calming the storm and removing you or God improving you in the midst of it where he calms the child in the midst of the storm. Will Sangster was a preacher of a previous generation or two. Will actually shared a story. On many, many occasions he would share this story about how he and some boys actually went off into the far country. This was before he was in the ministry. And they, they were just kind of doing the prodigal thing. They were living life on the wild side. And as they got to the part of being rock bottom, the boys that were with Will and Will sent telegrams back to their dad. <clears throat> 
They sent telegrams back to their dad and told their dad they had spent all their money, they had squandered it all away, and, and they needed help. And, and Will's dad, at that point in time, Will Sankster's dad, was also a pastor. And he agonized over whether or not he should send money to help his son. And some of you parents are here and you can relate to that. There's always that fine line between whether you bail a kid out or whether you practice some tough love and you help the kid take responsibility for their own stuff, if you know what I mean. Well, as Sangster tells the story, all the dads sent help to the boys, except for Will Sangster's dad. And as the help came in and, and the other boys started ridiculing Will, doesn't your daddy care about you? Doesn't your daddy love you? Surely he could help you. Why are our dads helping us, but your dad will not help you? And Will Sangster tells a story. He said he would say to those boys, he'd say, I don't know, but I know the character and the heart of my dad. And I might not understand why he's not sending help to me now. But when I get home, I will ask my dad and I will get an answer. And as Will would later preach that from that great pulpit that he preached from, he would say, you know what? You might be in the midst of the storm and sometimes you might be asking God to help you. And sometimes God will not help you the way you want him to help you. And those voices will start to speak to you. And those voices will start to doubt and question the heart of your Heavenly Father and the character of your Heavenly Father. And you look at those voices and you say, I might not know why. God's not helping me now. But when I get home, when I get home, I will ask him and receive my answer. But for now, in the midst of the storm, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him for he is with you. When you are in the storm, beloved, listen, you are there by his appointment. You are there with his presence. And you are there for his purposes. In the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit, let the church say amen. amen. Will you pray with me, all heads bowed, all eyes closed? I want us to keep the same spirit of reflection and worship in this moment. There are those of you here today, you would say, <clears throat> you know what, Pastor Benji, I'm in the middle of a difficult time. And the storm is on. And if you were honest with yourself, if you were honest with God today, you would admit that you're hurting. And you're confused. And you need prayer today. Beloved, we are a church family. And if you're here today and the Spirit of God has just been moving in your life and unfortunately you find yourself in the midst of a storm, or if you're at our Garner campus or NCCIW or even the coffee house or even in the comfort of your home, and if you're here and you're in the midst of that storm and you would say, you know what, Pastor, I would love for you to pray for me. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to ask you just to raise your hand right where you are. Just, just lift it up high. Lift them up. Wow. Keep them up for just a moment. Hands all over this place. I'm sure hands at our other campuses. Father, I want to pray. God, I humbly come to you right now, and I thank you that we are together as a family. 
as your family, as the body of Christ. God, will you help us to care for each other? Would you help us to reach out and love those around us? For those of you who didn't raise your hand, listen, I want to tell you there are hands all around you. Will you just pray for those around you? Just pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ who are in the midst of the storm in this moment. God, I pray for miracles today. I know that you are a God who is able. God, I thank you ahead of time for the many lives represented here and the ways in which you're going to move miraculously here. God, I pray that you give them the desires of their heart. You give them the physical needs of their body. The spiritual resources, Father. God, I pray for more than just the outward kind of miracle. God, I pray for those who are here and where the storm is really taking place, Father, is that it's taking place internally. It's in their soul. It's in their spirit. I pray for miracles, God, that goes beyond our human ability to understand. I pray, God, that you would bring peace. Not only would you calm the storms, but that you would bring peace to the inner storms. A peace that goes beyond human understanding. God, I pray that you would comfort those who mourn. Encourage those who are down. Strengthen those who are weak. Give hope to the hopeless. Bring healing to those who are broken. God, we don't have anywhere to turn in the midst of the storms but to you. And so we wholly surrender to you, trusting you. Trusting your appointment. Trusting your presence. Believing in your purposes. Calm the storms, Father God. But also calm your children. For we need you. We need you now more than ever. And Father, those who are not in the storms today, would you, would you help us file this away? Would you help us store this in our hearts and in our minds that when the storms start to rage, we know how to navigate. We trust you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at www.newhopenc.org. If you would like to financially support the movement of New Hope, you can do so by clicking on the e-giving link at the bottom of our homepage. We hope you will join us next week. God bless and thank you for being part of our church family.